You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 112. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we begin with a preview of our upcoming Canadian Alternative slash Green Energy and Sector Report. In our Your Stock, Our Take, we take a look at the ridiculous movement in the shares of Eastman Kodak Company, Inc., symbol KODK on the New York Stock Exchange over the past week. Most of our listeners will know this storied company well, but for those of you that do not, Kodak is a global technology provider focused on print and advanced material and chemicals. Our star of the week is no stranger to Keystone clients, having been recommended and sold for a 400% gain, then re-recommended just five months ago to clients. The company, Photon Control Inc., symbol PHO on the TSX, primarily designs and produces precision temperature and position sensors used by semiconductor wafer fabrication equipment, WFE manufacturers. The stock is up 25% in the past week and 156% in the last five months alone since our re-recommendation. Our dog of the week is Sir Royalty Income Fund or SIR Royalty Income Fund, however you want to say it. SVR is the symbol on the TSX. It owns a portfolio of 60 restaurants in Canada. SIR's concept brands include Jack Astor's Bar and Grill with 38 locations, Scatterbush Italian Kitchen and Bar with 10 locations, and Canyon Creek with 5 locations. The stock is off 13% in the past 5 trading days and 70% year to date. We'll let you know if the downturn will continue. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How are you guys doing today? Very good, very good. Good afternoon, yeah, gentlemen. Enjoyed a uh, l- nice long weekend, so looking forward to a short work week. And as you said, Ryan, we're, we're close to completing our um, Renewable Energy Clean Tech Investment Report. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's something And we'll talk that about that in on. a sec. I just got to get one thing off my chest. I um, uh, we, we spent all of Sunday preparing for the Canucks' first playoff game, well, play in game in about five years i uh, it was gonna be my first game that my daughter actually really cared about I, I made the wings we got the hot wings going the salt and pepper wings we got the nachos going the yam fries a couple of wobbly pops <laughs> mainly for my daughter i'm kidding now just for just for me and i got you know i got my dad over to watch the game with and my mom who's sort of watching in the background and then the Canucks come out and absolutely poop the bed. So it was a really, really great Sunday in terms of preparation. And then it just really, you know, went at the end. So the Canucks did not deliver. We'll see. We've got a game tonight. See if they can come back. My daughter's really into it. She's cheering. She's yelling Patterson. She's wearing the jersey. 
But, you know, the team, the bottom six stinks. And, you know. What can you do? We'll see what happens. Is anybody else watching it out there? Hopefully some of our listeners are watching. I don't know if my co-hosts are watching it all. Uh, I, I did not watch the game. Brennan? I, yeah, I watched the game. Yeah, I watched uh, at least parts of it, you know, kind of had it on the background. but And then uh, fell asleep, right? So Yeah. It yeah. literally was probably the bo- the most boring game of the weekend, and there was, you know, about 15 games. It was unbelievable. So we, we need a better performance. Uh, uh, the Wild, their top 4D looks strong. So anyways, I got that off my chest. We're putting the final touches, like uh, Aaron said, on our Canadian Alternative Energy and Green Energy and Services Report, whatever we're going to call it. It was uh, interesting to see the news out, though. I saw today from London-based kind of traditional energy giant BP alongside its terrible Q2 financial results. Uh, BP reported a massive second quarter loss, and the company cut its dividend in half today, they announced. But the shares actually moved higher. As investors took heart in the energy giant's long-term plans to cut costs and mainly focus on being a greener company, uh, the second quarter numbers were basically a direct hit from the coronavirus pandemic, which pummeled demand for energy in the second quarter. Uh, which turn prompted BP to unveil, uh, kind of earlier than it expected, a plan to reduce its oil and gas output by 40% and boost investments in renewable energy such as wind and solar over the next decade. Now, BP actually stated that within 10 years, it plans to raise its annual low-carbon investment tenfold to around $5 billion a year. It also aims to have developed around 50 gigawatts of net renewable generating capacity by 2030, which is a 20-fold increase from uh, where they were in 2019 just last year. BP shares, again, which were down 42% on the year, moved 7.5% higher on that news despite an awful quarter. So you're seeing higher multiples and a mainstream push towards clean energy. Uh, It's one of the reasons why we're putting together this special report on Canadian stocks in this segment. And we look forward to its release. You guys have both been working on it. Are you excited about releasing it? Certainly, yeah. And just to comment on BP, of course, we also have to take into context that the stock is still down 40% since the start of the year. So oh, yes. a little bit of life being breathed into it, but uh, still still under pressure, the shareholders are. Um, yeah, we're, I'm excited about the report. Uh, one of the reasons why I like to put the, together these sector reports, particularly on um, exciting themes, is that a lot of what Keystone does is is differentiates between what's a legitimate company and what's not a legitimate company. So what's making money? What has a reasonable balance sheet? Uh, what has good growth prospects? So it's not just enough to be part of an exciting industry that investors want to put money into. You actually have to be a legitimate business generating cash flow from your operations. And the problem is, is whenever you have an exciting theme or industry, you always have a lot of promotional entities that gravitate towards it because it's a it's, it's, it's a way to raise money based off of investor excitement without actually having to um, provide any real investment value or, uh, or financial performance. So what we're doing here is we, we're, we're taking this industry that you know everybody's looking on. We've done this before. We've had recommendations in clean tech and renewable for years, but we're basically identifying every company 
in the Canadian markets that that is involved in this industry and separating the uh, the strong players from the weak um, and then providing that information to our clients. So it's a great way to help people avoid bad investment ideas and then direct them towards good, profitable companies. Yeah. And I mean, to give you an idea, there's 70 plus companies in Canada that, you know, are loosely related to the clean or greener segment. And there may be of those 70 plus companies, maybe three or four that make our criteria, maybe two uh, out of that list. We have a really uh, very stringent criteria and uh, we may we want to be participating in this sector, but only if they meet that criteria. And you know, while we're looking at it now, we have had our clients positioned in uh, businesses that are certainly operating with this in, in this segment for years now. And, and it's been a you know great area to be in. We can continue to believe for the next 10, 20, 30 years. But, you know, you got to pay a reasonable price for these businesses. And there are a couple companies in that report we think that we're playing, paying a reasonable price for now. But there's certainly some companies in this segment, just like when we look at the cannabis segment, that we would avoid uh, and avoid... Uh, if you want to earn money over the long term, you should avoid those type of companies. And we're going to see the same thing right now in the, in the junior gold exploration sector. It's going to be easier to raise money now in that segment. There's going to be a lot of financings come out there. Uh, 90% of those investors should avoid. Uh, we'll, we'll have a look at that segment as well to see if there's anything there that we think offers some value. Now let's look at uh, our star of the week from our stars and dog segment. It's time for this week's star. star. Our weekly star this week is Photon Control Inc. Symbol PHO on the TSX. Currently trades around two dollars and twenty-five cents. Its market cap two hundred and thirty-three million. What does Photon Control do? They design, manufacture, and distribute a wide range of optical sensors and systems to measure temperature and position. Primarily, the company designs and produces precision temperature and position sensors used by semiconductor wafer fabrication equipment manufacturers. Now, the semiconductor market is cyclical in nature and historically has produced boom and bust type cycles. The manufacturing process of semiconductors is becoming more complex and challenging as semiconductor devices scale to the atomic level and dimensions are more 3D in nature. Uh, This plays in well into photon controls technology over the long term. Now, as our star performance, the stock has increased 25% in the past week and has rocketed up 156% since we re-recommended it just five months ago to clients. Now, what is driving the stock? Optimism in the, in the semiconductor space is part of it, but it's stock specific, specific here too as well. Revenues jumped 116% in the first quarter to $17.3 million. Net income rocketed up to $6.6 million from around just 70000 in the same period last year. The company going forward, and you always have to look forward on a business, reported a record backlog of $30.9 million, up from $20 million, essentially twenty point eight at the start of the year. Cash and cash equivalents, this company has $42.2 million of cash in the bank. That's up from the start of the year, about $30.4 million. That's a record backlog in this business. It's providing a strong near and midterm outlook. Now, Photon Control checks off most of Keystone's boxes. Uh, that's why it was likely a recommendation. It is cash rich, currently growing at uh, growing right now, and at $0.88 cents earlier this year was very inexpensive. Certainly growth at a reasonable price. 
The last couple of years for Photon have been a tale of two periods, though. 2018 was the culmination of a longer-term strong growth period, which saw consistently a rising backlog. The company boasted its, uh, boosted its cash position and posted earnings of $0.10 cents per share, which were a record for the business. In 2019, however, the company experienced negative conditions in its end market. A declining backlog and earnings per share were just $0.2 cents. So we expect a strong 2020 overall, but we are monitoring how the near-term backlog build was driven by key customers stocking inventories in fear of supply chain issues. The Q run results were also boosted by significant Forex gains in the range of two cents per share. So we have to monitor that as well as the Canadian dollar took a deep uh, dive in that quarter. We expect Photon to be able to easily best the 10 cents in EPS that the company reported in 2018, which were a record on a normalized basis. Uh, The gains this week, however, and this year make Photon our star of the week. Yeah, great little great little company there and we've used Photon as an example at our at our DIY seminars specifically in the as as a tech theme play um, internet of things for for the internet of things um, the semi semiconductor industry is is absolutely critical so it has been somewhat of a of an IoT play um, but really I, semiconductors are used in all electronics so it's just it's just a general tech play and Although cyclical, um, it's been—I mean—it's been a fantastic little company. I remember we we originally discovered it in 2014. Nobody was following it. Uh, profitability, growth, a cheap valuation, and a cash-rich balance sheet—you you put those things together, and you you often have yourself a great investment opportunity. So. Yeah, and through those those cyclical times, the boom and bust times in that segment, it's always had essentially higher highs and lower lows in terms of the un- underlying business is, is revenues. When it's bottomed out in terms of revenues at the cyclical low, it's a it's a higher point than it hit at the last uh, low cycle point. So you're seeing that over time. Um, it is a it's you know it's a, got a great balance sheet. They can go out there and make acquisitions, or they can weather a downturn. So. Uh, you know, it was an opportune time to buy in March. Uh, they had actually released guidance for a record quarter in Q1. But, the you know, it's one of these smaller companies the market was not paying attention to at all. We could take advantage of it. We know the business. We know what we're looking for. And, uh, you know, you've had 156% gain in the past five months in the company, which is great to see. And, you know, it still has uh, likely a great quarter or two ahead of it right now. So we'll be monitoring those quarters. We'll look in the next couple of weeks and uh, report back to our clients on our current uh, fair valuation on the business going forward. So the next company we're going to look at. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Yeah, some crazy trading in this company, uh, a company that's been around for a long time that's a household name and has been a household name, Eastman Kodak Company, K-O-D-K on the New York Stock Exchange. Brennan, you had a look at the crazy action on this over the past week. Yes, yes. Um, it actually came to my attention from a couple of my stock buddies who uh, posted in our one of our group chats and they were like, did you guys see Kodak today? Because it was up by I think like a thousand percent in one day or, or something along those lines. But anyways, uh, so yes, Eastman Kodak company uh, currently trading at a price of $14.59 and has a market cap of $642 million. 
So Kodak should be familiar to most listen, listeners, but if it isn't, the company is a global technology provider focused on print and advanced materials and chemicals. It provides hardware, software, consumables, and services primarily to customers in commercial print, packaging, publishing, manufacturing, and entertainment, but it is kind of making a business shift, which I will touch on sh uh, shortly here. So the stock was up 96% in the past week and over 500% in the past two weeks. Uh, the, the stock is being driven by news that came out last week with the company announcing it was shifting its business model towards drug production and subsequently receiving a $765 million government loan from the Trump administration to boost production of a variety of drugs. Uh, and after this news, the stock momentarily shot up over 1,800%, making the company's market capitalization jump from a little over $100 million at the start of the week to almost $1 billion by Friday. Uh, but leveler heads seem to, to have uh, prevailed as the stock has now pulled back um, from these outrageous highs, but it is still uh, pretty pricey. So just looking quickly, very briefly at the company's uh, financial results for Q1 2020, revenue has decreased 8% from the same quarter last year. Basic earnings per share uh, was a loss of $2.66 per share compared to a loss of $0.40 cents, uh, for Q1 of 2019, so down a lot. And 12 trailing month operational EBITDA was $9 million, which currently places the company's enterprise value to EBITDA, EBITDA multiple at approximately 67 times, which of course comes with no surprise that the stock is grossly overvalued. And this enterprise value does not even include uh, the recent $765 million financing that they did receive. Now, back to the company news. So the CEO has came under uh, some scrutiny here as he was granted options for 1.75 million shares on Monday the day before the news of the government loan was announced, and almost a third of these options vested immediately, allowing him to cash in uh, on these uh, shares if he pleased to do so. So the company said that the options were granted to shield the CEO's overall stake in the company from being diluted by a $100 million convertible bond deal clinched in May of 2019 to help Eastman Kodak stay afloat. But here's where it gets pretty interesting. Um, so prior to this week's financing deal in April, the company warned investors it, would, it was at risk of not continuing as a going concern, or in other words, it might be at risk uh, of going bankrupt. Um, and I guess you can look back in May, uh, and this is why they did uh, raise that $100 million convertible bond, uh, you know, just to stay afloat, essentially. So Many listeners probably remember that this is not the first time that Kodak has had operational issues as the company filed for bankruptcy in 2013 as it did not adapt its film-based camera business to the then up-and-coming digital revolution. It honestly surprises me that, let's call them investors, want to hold a stock like this, especially after declaring bankruptcy only seven years ago and now again announcing that Kodak may no longer be a going concern, while additionally taking on more debt just to stay afloat and recently shifting into the business of pharmaceutical drugs. Needless to say, this is not a growing business and hoping that this once flourishing technology company will suddenly excel in the pharmaceutical industry is highly speculative. On a, fi on a final comment here, uh, it really does surprise me that Kodak would uh, receive this pharmaceutical financing deal from the Trump administration uh, and that it would not go to a major generic drug maker. 
But yet again, maybe the U.S. just doesn't want to see another retail giant fail due to the coronavirus. Uh, but all in all, it makes for some some very interesting news. I also saw that uh, Elizabeth Warren actually just came out the other day uh, wanting the SEC to go into a probe to see if there was any insider trading beforehand. Um, but yeah, interesting news. It was uh, pretty interesting. It was fun to uh, to look into. Yeah, it's crazy action. There was actually a report out today that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is investigating the circumstance surrounding Kodak's uh, the $765 million government loan that you were talking about there. Um, essentially, there's an potentially an investigation going on right now. So, uh, I mean, it really does look... I mean, the trading action looks insane, and the uh, you know the circumstance around the granting of those options. I mean, it, it warrants a further look at the very, very least. Just a quick look at the historical financials. I mean, there, there's nothing that I see financially that would ever encourage me to invest in this company. Quite the opposite. Now, obviously, if they're changing their focus, the historical financials may not have as much bearing, but. Um, we, you'd have to ask yourself, I mean, what expertise does the company have and the team have in this new market? Uh, certainly nothing that, nothing that Keystone would ever touch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's just, it just we're looking for good, solid businesses making cash flow over time and uh, that are profitable, that uh, you can actually value if they go up, you know, have a 20% day or a 5% gain and they're up or up 100% in a year. You can actually value that business and say, do I want to continue to own this? There is basically no way to value Kodak right now. It's just an absolute speculative play, and uh, it's not something that we could uh, would want to be invested in over the long term. So let's look at our weekly dog. From our Stars and Dog segment, it's time for this week's dog. SIR Royalty, symbol SV. R.UN on the TSX. Aaron, you looked into this company. I did, yes. I've actually looked into it several times over the years for income research. Um, so it's SRE. And, and you've, been to, you've been to some of the restaurants. I, I know, because yes. we've been I, there I to a couple of them of together. I've been right? there, yes. Jack Astor's for sure in Toronto. Yeah. Um, Canyon Group Chopos. We've been, we've had a steak there. I know we have. Okay, I don't remember, which probably isn't a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. But That's uh, true. so the company trades at about two dollars and thirty cents. It's a twenty million dollar market cap right now. Uh, SIR Royalty owns and operates a diverse portfolio of restaurants in Canada. The brands include Jack Astor's and Grill, Canyon Creek Chop House, Scatterbrush, and Signature Restaurant Brands. Uh, SIR royalty stock price declined 17% over the past week and it's down 70% over the past year. Clearly the restaurant industry has been one of the hardest hit since the pandemic shutdown began in March. However, SIR's challenges began well before that. We've reviewed the company multiple times over the past several years for our income stock research, uh, taking notice of the once high income yield and the low price to cash flow valuation. But thankfully, we never picked up coverage on the company due to what we saw as inconsistent performance of its various restaurant brands. SIR is structured as a royalty trust with the objective of paying out a high percentage of operating cash flow to shareholders in the form of income distributions. And unfortunately for those shareholders, the company suspended its income distributions completely on March 23rd. The question now is whether or not these income distributions will be reinstated and at what level. Looking at the financial results, the company's fiscal Q3 results were released on July 30th 
Understandably, the company wasn't making any money during the quarter as restaurant dining operations were suspended on March 16th and reduced capacity reopenings began only on June 9th. So to get a more normalized sense of the company's financial health, we need to look at pre-pandemic performance. For the full fiscal year of 2019, SIR reported same-store sales down 5.3% and distributable cash flow per share down 6.5% to 116 per unit. The payout ratio for the year was 106% compared to 97% in the previous year. The company looks incredibly cheap on a price-to-cash flow basis if you use distributable cash flow from the previous year. The problem here is that the company may have a long road ahead of getting back to that level of cash flow if they're even able to do that at all. Even with the restaurant reopenings, the industry is going to continue to be under pressure and we expect to see more restaurant closures. I'll also note that even before the shutdown started, SIR's stock price was down more than 50% in the 12 months preceding March 2020. We can't make the assumption that distributions will be reinstated at close to the previous level or even at all and we would continue to steer clear of the company. Yeah, I think it's a good summary. Um, you know, and and like if you do look at the underlying like the cash flow normalized over the previous couple of years, it does look, you know, it does look cheap, but uh, you know, in the near term, uh, you know, you're seeing restaurants half open at the best of times. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I think it's a very tough go for the, some of those restaurants, particularly the ones that aren't complete leaders in their industries. And, and I wouldn't consider Jack Astor's to be a complete leader or Canyon Creek Chop House to be a complete leader in its market segment. Um, I, I mean, this might sound disparaging, but I find Jack Astor's to be a poor man's cactus club. So, I mean, I, I'd rather bet on the leaders right now in those industry segments. And uh, I don't think that I'm not certain that SIR has leaders in its segments right now. And despite the fact that it might look cheap, like you said, they are facing significant challenges right now. And uh, we'd rather just see the company post a turnaround if we ever looked at investing in the business. To be completely honest, I've actually never heard of uh, any of their brands, but I mean, maybe that's just because I'm in uh, in Saskatchewan and, and from small that probably, town Saskatchewan. That probably says it right there. <laughs> probably. Uh, <laughs> Ryan and I, Sorry. we went to their their restaurants when, in, in Toronto. Yeah. You know, and I'll just say, yeah, Jack Astor's in Jack my experience Astor's was a fine, fine restaurant, a but there's nothing restaurant. special about it. It's, it's yeah. not the type of establishment for me that I'm going to seek out. Uh, as I said, I don't remember Canyon Creek. But um, there's certainly, yeah. There, I'm not sure what that says, right? So. There, there's certainly, to me, not a strong brand loyalty there. So, yep. yeah, no. So, and it's just you know, it's just the underlying fundamentals uh, at present, and what you see in the last quarter, the company cutting the dividend, and uh, it's not something that we would be invested in at this point. And we can see why the shares are off significantly. And you know, one of the main indications is too ahead of this pandemic. Aaron said. The business seemed to be weaker. So if you were weaker ahead, if you were extremely strong ahead and we could see two years out that the business would, you know, be running on all cylinders again, then, you know, you might take a, you it could be a consideration, but we're not seeing that right now with SRI or SIR. Now that'll close off our show this week. Um, I'd like to also point out that our last, uh, our dividend 
stock, growth stock, dividend growth stock webinars are available on demand on our website at www.keystocks.com. You can get those from this time last week. Uh, three or four individual dividend growth stock recommendations in there. Aaron goes through the dividend growth stock market in Canada in depth. It's a great webinar. Uh, you can get that right now on our website, plus some special gifts there as well. If you aren't a client of Keystones, I encourage you to check that out. If you are a client of Keystones Dividend Research, it's already in your account. Uh, for no additional charge, you can check that out. Keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segment. Ask us anything segment as well. We're getting more and more questions. It's great to see. Uh, I wish everybody out there profitable investing and stay safe. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone. Go Canucks.